Well, good morning. I'm Cathy, I'm one of the pastors here. This morning, for the very first time, our PBC youth are having a preaching party in the basement, which is very exciting, using new technology that was purchased with some of the money that was contributed for our five-year anniversary last year. I'm being live-streamed down there. Our basement is directly below us. Sound does actually transfer between these two rooms, apart from the technology. And so I just thought this morning we could make our PBC youth feel welcome. On the count of three, what I'd love you to do is shout Welcome as loud as you can. One, two, three. Welcome! Can they shout back? Can you shout back, youth? PBC Youth, we want to say that you are an important part of our church and we love having you in our teaching time. Today we're continuing our short series, it's simply called I Once Was But Now Am and we've been looking at different Bible characters and just being challenged and inspired as we look at God's transforming work in their lives. So I have a quick quiz to start with because I want you to guess which character we're looking at today. If you already know the answer to this, you're out already, all right? But first put your hand up and there's a prize, both up here and also in the basement. So who am I? I lived till I was 120. My story covers four Old Testament books. I'm also mentioned in Matthew, Hebrews and Acts as well. I grew up in Egypt. I parted the Red Sea. Jodie's going to come and read to us an excerpt from Moses' life. Stephen retells it in Acts chapter 7, verses 17 and following. The Bible reading comes from Acts chapter 7 and starting from verse 17. As the time drew near for God to fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt had increased greatly. Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt. He dealt treacherously with our people and oppressed our ancestors by forcing them to throw out their newborn babies so that they would die. At that time, Moses was born, and he was no ordinary child. For three months, he was cared for by his family. When he was placed outside, Pharaoh's daughter took him and brought him up as her own son. Moses was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was powerful in speech and action. When Moses was 40 years old, he decided to visit his own people, the Israelites. He saw one of them being mistreated by an Egyptian, so he went to his defence and avenged him by killing the Egyptian. Moses thought that his own people would realise that God was using him to rescue them, but they did not. The next day Moses came upon two Israelites who were fighting. He tried to reconcile them by saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you want to hurt each other? But the man who was mistreating the other pushed Moses aside and said, Who made you ruler and judge over us? Are you thinking of killing me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard this, he fled to Midian, where he settled as a foreigner and had two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses in the flames of a burning bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. When he saw this, he was amazed at the sight. As he went over to get a closer look, he heard the Lord say, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. I have indeed seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to set them free. Now come, I will send you back to Egypt. 
This is the same Moses they had rejected with the words, Who made you ruler and judge? He was being sent to be their ruler and deliverer by God himself through an angel who appeared to him in the bush. He led them out of Egypt and performed wonders and signs in Egypt at the Red Sea and for 40 years in the wilderness. Amen. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Jodie. Moses' life contains a number of amazing stories and because they're such good stories, they've often been turned into Sunday school lessons and sermons and movies. Today, I don't want to give you the highlights reel of just the amazing things that happened. I want us to look behind of what are the things that shaped Moses into the man that God had him be. If Moses' life were a book, I reckon it would be a three-chapter book. So if he's 120 years, each chapter could be divided into 40 years. And so Moses' first 40 years, that chapter one, I am going to call becoming a somebody. Yet Moses' life did not start out easy prior to becoming a somebody. His background was tough. He was born a Jew in Egypt in a time when Jews were made to be slaves under the oppressive Egyptian empire. But also at a time when Pharaoh was feeling particularly threatened by the Jews and so Pharaoh orders that all the male babies be executed. And so Moses is born into danger and injustice and grief and despair. And in order to protect his life, his parents kept him hidden until they reached this terrible conclusion that they could not keep his life a secret any longer. And so somewhere between grief and despair, Moses' mother made the decision that she would put Moses in a waterproof basket and set him among the reeds in the Nile River. No doubt offering this plan to God, no doubt sweating over this plan and thinking, how could she make this work? committing it to God, but really having no idea how it would turn out. Well, as it did turn out, it was a well-executed plan, for Moses was found by the daughter of Pharaoh, and she took pity on him, and on cue, because this is part of the plan, Moses' sister emerges from the bushes where she's been hiding, and she offers to find a wet nurse who would feed and care for Moses until he was weaned. And so as the story in Exodus is written, it seems that Moses goes back to live with his birth parents and his older brother and sister. And we don't know for how long that was. But the presumption is that it was probably years rather than months. Exodus 2.10 simply says that when the boy grew older, he was taken back to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son and she named him Moses. Let's just hit the pause button at that point. Don't underestimate how much is going on for Moses in this one verse. Moses' world was suddenly turned upside down. He's growing up in one family. He's with his mother and father. He, he gets to play with his older brother and sister and life is good. And all of a sudden, he's relocated without understanding, no doubt, into a completely foreign place. He's relocated into a, a foreign culture, into a family that he doesn't know, into a palace that's so grand where there's ways that he doesn't even know what on earth is going on. This wasn't like moving to a different suburb from Moses. This was like relocating to a different planet. And no doubt, you know, you can imagine if you uproot a little child from where they know and where they're familiar and the, with the people that they love and you uproot them and you put them in somewhere new, there's a whole lot of grief that goes in with that. And so I wonder whether Moses didn't just cry at night when he's there in his palace room for, for his mum and his dad and his brother and sister that he would have missed so much. And I wonder if he didn't cry out to the God that his mother and father had taught him to seek. But perhaps 
It may be that some of us can also identify with Moses at this point, because it may be that you've endured such a radical and upsetting change in your background. Perhaps you identify with the feelings that go with being adopted. Or you may have suffered the fracture of your home by the divorce of your parents. Or perhaps you shifted from one home to another and this memory of being uprooted still stays with you. Or some of you might even know the experience of being relocated to a foster home with total strangers. If so, you will know that what can be just listed as one line in someone's story is actually a whole narrative in itself. But what we learn from the life of Moses is that God can redeem the pain of a broken childhood and use it for his purposes. So in spite of the pain of being relocated to a new family, the reality was that being adopted and so becoming the prince of Egypt opened up a world of opportunity to Moses that he would not have otherwise had. And although he didn't know it, this would form part of God's preparation for him for God's future task. In the passage that was read to us from Acts, we are told that Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians and he became powerful in speech and action. The historian Josephus tells us that because Pharaoh didn't have a son, that Moses was actually being groomed for the throne. And so Moses would have had Egyptian tutors who instructed him in protocol and lifestyle and Egyptian culture. He would have attended the Temple of the Sun. This was like the premier education centre of the day. This was like the Oxford of the ancient world. He would have learnt hieroglyphics, language, sciences, medicine, astronomy, chemistry, religion, philosophy and the law. And given Egypt's strong military history, he most likely also studied military skill and strategy. And on top of all of that, he would have dabbled in the arts of sculpture, music and painting. And the whole world of Egyptian literature was open to him. So Moses became an astute thinking man. As Acts says, he was educated in all the wisdom of the Egyptians. He became mighty in word and deed. In those first 40 years, Moses made a name for himself and he earned the Egyptians' respect. In fact, by the time he was 30, historians tell us that he had already led the Egyptian army to a smashing victory over the Ethiopians. So he's a bold military strategist. He's highly valued. He's bronzed by the sun. He's scarred by battle. He's wise in worldly matters. He's competent as a leader. He even looked like Charlton Heston. (laughs) Not. Sorry, youth, you have no idea. but... But you get the picture. Moses became a somebody. And all of that training would have positioned him well to lead God's people later in life. I wonder if you've ever had times where you've questioned, what's the value of all of this that I'm learning? What's the value of all of these, these skills, all this education that, that I'm, I have had in the past or I have now? I just want to say that God uses all manner of learning and skills to prepare us for the works that he has planned for us to do, that we're to value that training, value those skills that we have. And offer them for God because he can do creative things in the way that he can use skills that we've acquired in the past. When I was in high school, I used to work in a donut shop. And before school every day, I would go in at 7am and I would make donuts for the next hour in Donut Dan. And I would go to school smelling like a greasy donut. I was paid the grand sum of $2.20 an hour. 
Now, PBC Youth, I know it was the olden days, but I want to say that was low pay even back then. But, you know, I love how God can reuse our skills for his purposes down the track. So a decade later, I was part of a denominational group that was raising up the place of youth ministry in our denomination. At that stage, I think there was like a little bit of a mental ascent. Oh, yeah, youth are somewhere important in the picture, but they didn't fund any of the ministry that, that was happening. And so I was part of this group that was raising the profile and also having to raise our own funds to make something bigger happen. And do you know what God was able to use to raise funds? Donuts. Every year at a Christian music festival called Black Stump, we would set up a donut tent. We would literally sell thousands of dollars worth of donuts. Value the skills and the learning that you have and that you're growing in. And even when you may not be able to see the connection point of, I'm not sure how God could use this, it just feels so far from anything that's to do with him. Just don't underestimate what God's able to do. He is so wildly creative in using the, the skills that we have for his purposes. And so Moses spent the first 40 years of his life becoming a somebody. But somewhere toward the end of those 40 years, Moses made a life-changing decision about who he was. Although he had it all, wealth and power in his Egyptian identity as the grandson of Pharaoh, in his heart of hearts, Moses remembered his identity from his childhood that he was a Hebrew. He was one of God's people. Hebrews 11.24 reports it like this. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, and this phrase literally reads, having become great, Moses made a decision. It says he refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose instead to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. Do you know, this is probably one of the most pivotal choices that Moses makes. Were it not for this choice, Moses probably would have spent his next 80 years living the comfortable high life in Egypt. We wouldn't even know about him. We certainly wouldn't be speaking about him today. For us, the choices that we make about who we really are chart the course for our life. If I choose that my identity in this world is what really matters then I will go after success. I will go after wealth. I will seek to fulfill my dreams. I will look to be a somebody and impress others. But if I choose that my identity is in Christ and that is what really matters, then saying yes and no to things is no longer about my name. It's not about my plans. It's not about my success. It's about his. Long before the burning bush, Moses made a choice to realign his identity he made a conscious choice. I am not an Egyptian. I'm a Hebrew. I am one of God's people. And so one day, Moses decided that he would pay a visit to his fellow people, the Israelites. Now remember that while Moses has been leading this life of luxury, his people have been slaves. They're working under harsh conditions under the Egyptians. And what happens next, I just want to make this really, really clear, what happens next was not directed by God. Moses had so aligned himself with God's people that when he saw one of them being mistreated, his blood boiled and something in him snapped. And in his rage, he murdered the Egyptian slave driver who was... A, and then he goes on to, to try and hide the body. 
In one out-of-control moment, Moses suddenly plunged from being a somebody to becoming a nobody. But still in this moment, thinking he's a somebody, Acts 7.25 tells us that Moses assumed that his fellow Israelites would realise that God had sent him to rescue them. But they didn't. Moses assumed that he would be seen as the hero. He's the big man who steps in and rescues the people. But instead, his people accuse him and they say, who made you a judge and ruler over us? And so Moses realises that his people aren't going to stand with him and his crime is now exposed. People know about it. You know, Moses' heart was in the right place in wanting to identify with God, but he just made one life-shattering, giant mistake. And so we come to chapter 2 in Moses' life. If the first 40 years were about becoming a somebody, the next are about becoming a nobody. Pharaoh, realising that Moses has now shown where his true loyalties lie, tries to kill Moses and Moses flees for his life to the Midian Desert. And if you want to know what the Midian Desert was like, you just think if you've seen pictures of the planet Mars, kind of around that, just incredibly barren, hot, arid sand, gravel, just punctuated by chunks of craggy rock and the occasional scraggly bush. You can just imagine Moses in all his finery, stumbling through this wasteland, catching his tailored clothes on the thorns and just picking his way through this wilderness. And you can almost hear his thoughts as he does it. You know, I'm finished. Life is over. God could never use me. So much for my achievements. can't believe I was so stupid. Everything that had mattered, his education, his military victories... It all now seemingly counted for nothing. Some of us may know what it's like to experience a crash of failure. Moses' experience tells us it can happen at any age. It can happen to those of any level of intelligence and even the most highly educated. And it can happen to those who were brought up in the ways of God in their early years. The truth is that all of us are vulnerable to failure. It only takes one poor decision to crash. But I want you to hear this. Where we put a full stop at the end of failure, God puts a comma. God can do a deep work in us in the place of failure. Sometimes we dwell there for a short time. Sometimes it can be years. For Moses, it was 40 years. But those years weren't wasted. Moses met a shepherd girl the daughter of a shepherd, they married, they had two sons, and Moses himself becomes a shepherd looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And, you know, I reckon as a shepherd, Moses had a lot of thinking time, a lot of time to ponder life's lesson. Over those 40 years of being a nobody, Moses gained a realistic view of himself, and as he did, he was brought to a place of deep humility. In fact, Numbers 12.3 says that Moses became more humble than anyone on the face of the earth. Why did God leave Moses in the Midian desert for 40 years before choosing to use him? I believe it was because God needed to know that he could trust Moses' character. That the rash young Moses who would lash out and murder, or the Moses who thought he was really someone, the Moses who assumed his people would see him as a hero, the prideful Moses needed to die to himself. If we are prepared to face up to our failure, 
It can form humility in us like nothing else can. I doubt that Moses was expecting that there would be a third chapter in his life. But God gathered all of that learning and skill from Moses' first 40 years together with this commitment to his identity as one of God's people. And the Lord coupled it with all of the character formation of the next 40 years. And just as Moses was chalking up his 14,600th day as Jethro's assistant shepherd, God completely surprised him and turned a page to a third chapter. And these final 40 years of Moses' life, well, I'm going to call this chapter Discovering What God Can Do With a Nobody. God appeared to Moses in a burning bush and tasked him with probably the most strategic leadership role in Christian history next to Jesus himself. He was to go back to Egypt and free his people from slavery and he was to lead them to the land that God had promised Abraham. And you know, when Moses was a somebody... I reckon he would have jumped at this task, but not anymore. Now Moses says to God, who am I to do this? And do you know what God says? I'll tell you what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, Moses, you're an amazing man. You can do this. I know you can. Not at all. Instead, God says, I will be with you and I will do it. You know, sometimes when it comes to serving God, we feel like we have to bolster our confidence in ourselves in order to say yes. The truth is, if God asks you to do something and you lack the confidence to do it, that's probably why he's asking you. Because he knows that when we feel like we're out of our depth, that's when we depend on him the most. God can do so much more with a nobody who depends wholeheartedly on him than with a somebody who is self-reliant. Humility teaches us to have a realistic view of ourselves, but also a realistic view of God. And so humility has a saying yes to the things that God asks us to do, not because we're confident that we can, but because we're confident that he can. I have loved looking at the life of Moses. I just want to say this has been one of the richest messages to prepare. And there's so much in his story, you know, when we talk of transformation, it's not like transformation just happens at this, this one moment in time. I actually thought this as I set out to prepare this message, I thought, oh, it's all going to be about the burning bush. And I realised, actually, God uses a series of things to bring transformation in Moses. And I think it's the same for us as well. He brings a series of things. And so as we reflect, just as we wrap up this morning and just reflect back on Moses' life, I just want you to, to sit with Moses' story and see if there's anything that God has just been speaking into that you identify with in the life of Moses. Because it may just be that whatever that thing is, is another step in your transformation story as well. Like Moses, perhaps you identify with having your world turned upside down as a child. And this morning, the Lord is reminding you that he can redeem the pain of a broken childhood. He can use it for his purposes. Or perhaps it's a new perspective on your job or your study. Just to value the skills that you're learning, to value the skills that you're growing in, trusting that when we make ourselves available to God, he can use all manner of skills for his purposes. Or perhaps like Moses, it's about actually making a choice about your identity. Is your identity in this world the equivalent of your Egypt? Or is your identity in Christ? And if it's in Christ, are there particular things that you need to be saying yes or no to right now? Recognising that your choices are no longer about your name, your comfort, your success. 
Rather, it's about God's name, his success, his plans. Or maybe today you identify with Moses' failure. And today God is reminding you that failure is not a full stop in his eyes. The Lord is wanting to work humility in you and form the character of Jesus in you in the place that you are in to prepare you for what is yet to come. Or perhaps you know that God has been asking something of you and you've been resisting because you lack confidence and today you need to hear that God is not asking you because you are able. He's asking you to trust that he is able. So I just want you to take a few moments and just ponder any parts of Moses' story that you identify with and um, just allow the Lord to speak into that as part of your transformation story. Lord, we want to thank you for Moses' life as it's recorded in Scripture. We thank you that it shows us the good, the bad and the ugly. Someone who is just so incredibly relatable because we know that our lives are an interesting mix of all of that as well. Father, I want to pray that the things that you might have brought to light this morning through Moses' story would continue to speak into us. I pray, Lord God, that we continue to lean into you and allow you to continue to shape us, no matter what has been our past, no matter what is our current, that we would continue to allow you to be transforming us into the likeness of Jesus and to be walking in his purposes for us as we live in this, this world. So God, we thank you. Thank you for the richness of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.